Welcome back to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast. I'm Ron Powell McLean. How are you? It feels like it's been a very busy year so far, and it's only the third week. <laughs> Maybe it's the last week. It's the twenty. It's the twenty-fifth of January as I'm recording this, and. It's certainly been an active year. We had an inauguration and some crazy insurrection before the inauguration. A lot of, a lot of uprising and um, unsettledness that has really culminated, um, I would say, over years. It was a little scary, I think, from watching from my standpoint. I was nervous and working my practice around compassion. And as I do, and I've done for many years, I try to think of those at the heart of a conflict and understand where their perspective may be and how it may be different from mine or those around me. Because I know that there are different perspectives and there's an an image that often comes to mind that I saw as a, I think a Facebook meme or Instagram meme where there's a, a, uh, a number on the ground and at one end of the number is one individual and at the other end of the number is a second individual. And to one that symbol looks like the number six and to the other looks like the number nine. And I know that both are correct. Not saying that everyone's always correct. My point is that every, everyone's perspective is different and what they're exposed to are different. And part of being a Buddhist to me is looking for compassion and understanding. So that was, that's been a lot of my, um, my experience through that. And at the same time, at the same time, being a concerned citizen and um, nervous for violence and rage, when it shows up like that, always makes me uneasy. So we work with the unease and that is the experience. I also had the experience this month um, with my husband um, who brought home a case of COVID for the two of us. And I will admit that, you know, since March of 2020, I've been very, Um, diligent 
in my efforts to avoid getting this illness. And, and part of it has been based in fear for both of our health. Um, that both of us, you know, have conditions that were, you know, slightly compromised and we're not in the greatest shape and we're, you know, over 50 and maybe have bad diets and things that we're working on and not the healthiest that we should be, but we also have some underlying conditions. And mine, for instance, was that in fall of 2019, I got a pretty nasty case of um, pneumonia that landed me in the hospital for the first time in my, well, not the first time in my life. I was um, also in the hospital when I was a young child, but um, really landed me in the hospital and, and took months to really feel as if I um, had the energy and the strength to move about my day in a normal fashion. So I was awfully nervous and I had uh, lost my, my job um, right about that same time. So I had also lost my insurance benefits. So I was trying to be um, both uh, cautious from a health standpoint and cautious from a financial standpoint, because I know um, how expensive all of that can be. So it was a little something. And then, um, you know, we end up with the very virus that we've worked so hard to keep out of our home. Um, you know, we've not been to a restaurant in months and months and months, you know, since March of, of 2020. So nearly a year now, 10 months at least that we have really, you know, sacrificed and made concessions and made, you know, sincere attempt attempts to stay safe. And then, you know, unfortunately my husband is in a, in a job that he is exposed to the public, you know, a family, you know, family entertainment facility, which, you know, I may have my opinions on whether they should really be open in a pandemic or not, <laughs> but um, I'm certain that they are not concerned with my opinion <laughs> of what they, what they should and shouldn't be doing. However, he managed to bring it home and I, I was really, really kind of mad, um, really upset that after all of that effort and all of that precaution that we still got it. And I'm sure that our, our cases were not um, as bad as many, but they weren't insignificant either. Um, you know, there were a couple days that I was really very concerned about Darren, my husband, because he just couldn't even get out of bed. And he was so nauseous. He couldn't move. And, you know, like the really the worst flu that either of us have ever had. Um, and for me specifically, it just has knocked the energy out of me. I spent last week 
um, sleeping. I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot other than sleep and um, get up and maybe watch a little TV together. And then I would go back to sleep. But so it was, it was definitely something and something I don't wish upon anyone. And I'm a little irritated that, you know, we're just a little bit of time before it's available for us to get vaccines and that sort of thing. And we ended up with it. So I had to practice a little around, around my, my agitation around getting it. You know, it's, it's funny. We, we try to go about our, our attempts to be mindful in a way that we are not expecting a specific return. And yet, <laughs> even, even though we say we're, we're just doing our best and hoping for the best, there is a definite feeling of disappointment when you worked hard and put in the effort and put in the mindfulness and you still got smacked with the result that you didn't want. So there is definitely some opportunity for introspection into, you know, what it is that we're experiencing when we have disappointment and when we have effort and you know, good effort and still see the karmic results of something that we may or may not have even been a part of starting. So that's a, that's definitely a thing. So I got to spend a little time, um, especially with all that being tired. I didn't, I didn't formally meditate. I didn't, you know, get up and sit on my cushion, especially last week. I didn't sit on my cushion and practice in the way that I normally would practice, but, you know, instead, you know, laying in bed and I couldn't sleep. And then I, you know, slept too much and then back and forth. There was just a lot of lying around and that is a good opportunity for me. And I'm well practiced in, in that condition from, you know, growing up with migraines. And, you know, if you found, if I found a, a position where I was laying down and things were just right, the conditions were just right, that I wasn't having a terrible experience, but an okay experience, I would stay in that position and not move. And whether I was awake or asleep, it didn't matter. So I'm well-practiced at doing that. And that's a bit of what I did this last week. So when I was laying there, I was just thinking about altruistic generosity and how to cultivate that generous spirit within myself. You know, I, if 
you've heard me before, I, I will spend a lot of time telling you that we always need to work on our work within and not try to look for opportunities to be noticed or be appreciated outside of ourselves as we try to work on things like compassion and kindness and how to be loving, but instead turn that within. So that's a primary part of my practice. So as I, as I lay in the bed in the guest room, because we were keeping each other up and Darren had a nasty cough. So I slept in the guest room and as I was laying there, I was thinking, how can I be the most loving and kind to myself as possible? And I was thinking about the, the six perfections and you know, the six perfections begin with altruistic generosity. And so I thought to really cultivate that loving kindness in the most altruistically generous way I could be, would be to really offer up every bit of my attention and my awareness to myself in that moment as I could muster. And when, when my thoughts wandered, as they do, I would think about that distraction was really just taking away from that period that I could be loving and kind to myself. So it was a little bit of catch and release that catching myself in that moment of distraction and not, not judging for it, but turning my awareness right back to myself and opening myself up to that loving and kind understanding of what was going on and how could I hold and nurture myself in that moment. And it was a beautiful experience, you know, which often I would drift off to sleep and have crazy dreams and then wake back up and check right back in with that thought of that generosity and being so generous to myself with that attentive awareness that was unparalleled to anything else. Not trying to distract myself in thoughts of better times or different situations, but instead being there and now and okay. Super important. So I've thought a lot over the last week and I, I didn't lead the daily meditations that I normally have been doing during the pandemic. I normally lead a 2.30 in the afternoon meditation each day and I was sleeping. So <laughs> it was not appropriate to turn on the camera, but I, you know, spent that time 
really practicing with myself and it was a wonderful experience but i was thinking about the questions that i get especially from those who are new to a buddhist practice and to meditation practices that i get emails and they're great i love those early emails of discovery and a little bit of frustration and what do I do with this or that? And it's, it reminds me of my, my younger self seeking those answers. I don't think I had the, the resources or outlets that um, folks do today, but I remember being, questioning and having having thoughts of what do I do with that when it comes up <laughs> not be I'm not going to be specific now but when when specific things arise within your practice what do you do and I've been you know I, I'll hear stories of I've been sitting um, for you know 10 minutes you know, a couple times a week and um, I'm not really seeing a drastic change. And I remember thinking the same thing and, and I would, I would show up to meditate as medication when things were really crappy, then I would retreat to, you know, a quiet space and desperately try to seek some calm and peace. And over time, I certainly have realized that the frequency of practice makes an entire difference on the way you utilize the tools of that practice. So for me, practicing when I haven't been in dire straits have helped me to identify where that calm, peaceful abiding lies within my own experience. So when I need it, I can find it. And when I need it just a little bit, I can find it. When I need it a lot, I can find it in the same place. And it's not coming from a posture of desperation, but one of familiarity. And I know where to get it. And I know how much there is. And I can get there easily. So then it's a, a real tool that I can use in my life. So when I get questions via email and sometimes, you know, messenger and things like that, um, about, I'm not really seeing much difference in my experiences, 
I want to convey, and that's where I want to share today that I use the word cultivate a lot. You know, I created Cultivate Meditation Academy to help to help spread the word of meditation and spread the practice, share the practice of meditation. But it's really about cultivation. And this is a, a beautiful imagery with me. And I think of a garden and the preparation that goes into preparing the ground, removing obstacles um, like grass and weeds and rocks and sticks and things and really clearing the ground and preparing the soil. Um, you know, if you want to get technical, you can test the soil for the pH and, you know, increase it with different um, bone meal or whatever it may be, some gypsum, however it, however it shakes down for you. But we really work to prepare the soil and then plant the seeds or, you know, if you, maybe sometimes you like my dad loves to start all his tomatoes from seeds in the house in the early spring, and then they're grown enough that he can transplant them and put them in the, in the ground. But we prepare that and we fertilize that, that land and we, we're in our gardens daily. I just have a small garden. I'm just going to admit that it's only like four by eight and it's usually overloaded with, with things. I did really, I had a, a few bumper crops of kale this last year and a lot of tomatoes and um, a few green peppers and some leeks and things, but you have to work it. You have to show up to it every day and you know, you pull out that occasional weed, you see that, oh, rabbits are getting in or squirrels are getting in and now I need to do something to deter them. You know, put putting strip, uh, strips of mylar and things that sometimes are helpful or putting netting over things or a little fence to keep um, from oversharing your, your crop with, with the wildlife. So without checking in with it every day, you don't really know what's going on. It's got too much water. There's not enough water. It's, you know, it needs harvested or it needs um, pruned or needs something. So we check in, you just check in daily and, you know, spend a few minutes for me with a small garden like that, I could spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a day watering and pulling out the occasional weed and, you know, maybe harvesting, you know, a few tomatoes or something as, as I'm there. But our practice is so much like that. We can't just show up once a week and wonder why everything seems dry or why we're not really seeing fruit bear. We have to work it every day. And even if it's just 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it really makes an entire difference 
in what you have in the fruit that bears. Like I was saying earlier, I know where to go when I need peace and calm because I've been there and I've been there frequently and I've tended to the soil and I've nurtured and cultivated that calmness and peacefulness in my own practice. So think of your practice as that garden. And whether you're a gardener or not, you can still picture it, that it still needs nourishment, it still needs light, and it needs water, and it needs your attention and caring love to propagate, to really bear fruit. So there's path clearing and intention that is put into this effort. And then fruit bears. It doesn't kind of happen in any other way. So you can't just show up and be surprised that, oh, I have this now bumper crop of, of vegetables hanging around waiting for me, and I've had nothing to do with it. So as simple as it can be to pull out a weed or turn on the hose for a few minutes and share some water, our practice is the same. And you have to practice. I have to practice showing up and finding that calm and peaceful abiding that I wish to harvest. It's so super important. And we'll run into things within our practice. Some days it's boring as all get out. And you're just thinking, okay, this is the most boring thing I'll do all day. And that's okay. Watch your reactions. See what they're about. See how it manifests in your experience. Watch it from a place that's unaffected, that consciousness that is unaffected. Just watch from there and understand, ah, I'm having a reaction. I'm having a reaction to this boredom. Other days, it won't be boredom. It will be sorrow or grief or agitation or even anger may be arising within your practice. And in that same way, you can access the tools to get through that and to understand it for what it is and come out the other side with calm and peaceful abiding because you know how to harvest it out of anything that you experience. So important. So if you're not seeing a change in your experience, in your day-to-day -day life experience, and you're still suffering each day. And for me, I know it, I know it well from anxiety and depression. I will see those things show up in ways that just feel dark and heavy. And I understand that when they show up, I haven't been paying attention. 
I haven't been paying attention to me and my experience. And it piles up and piles up and piles up until it's heavy. And you relieve, I relieve that suffering by seeing it for what it is and seeing what my reactions are for what they are. And I find relief and calm abiding, peacefulness through the tools of my practice. So if you look in your own experience, check in. That's the first thing you should do each day. Check in with your physical being. Look for pain. Look for discomfort. Where can you relieve it? Or release it where you've just been holding tension. And once you've done that, check in with your mental state as well. How are you feeling? Are you happy? Are you distracting yourself from discomforts? Have you been blindly bumping through life from one distraction to the next? And I mean television and your phone and Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever you flip through and lose an hour by doing it. Or maybe you've been distracting yourself with a book or whatever, whatever's in the fridge. That's, you know, a frequent one for me. I look for joy and happiness in the cheese tray. <laughs> and sometimes I find it. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> oh. There's a, an important an important passage that I read a lot from the yogi Milrepa, Milarepa, however you want to pronounce it. And it goes like this. My body is the holy mandala itself, wherein resides the Buddhas of all times. With their blessings, I'm freed from all needs and attachments. By day and night, I offer them up. Happy am I to do without material things, knowing that all beings in the six realms of samsara are inherently Buddhas, and all the three worlds, the self-creating measureless Trikaya palace. Whatever I do is the play of the Dharmadhatu, ultimate reality. Whoever I'm with is the Yidam deity. Wherever I stay is the Buddha's abode. Happy am I to forego outer supports, rituals, and symbols. And what this passage means to me is that everything, the entire mandala, lies within me. The understanding of everything that happens and everything that I experience is within me. The ability to access calm and peaceful abiding, loving kindness, compassion, equanimity, boundless, sympathetic joy. It all lies within me. That's what the Buddha shows us. 
that all living beings like ourselves have that ability to awaken to what this is and how to bear the fruit of that joyful effort of just placing our attentive awareness right here in this moment. It's the most important moment, this moment, each and every moment that is just like this is the most important moment. And the only way you can access your power within it is to be present within it, not distracted. So cultivate that within your experience, within your practice, remove obstacles where you find them, nurture and water where you need to, because you're attentively aware that it's needed. So if you need to self-soothe, you do so in an awakened, mindful way, not by distracting ourselves and going, going deep into something that is not here and not now and not real. So the whole plan, the whole mandala, the holy, whole mandala itself lies within you. So cultivate it. Cultivate a daily practice. And that means 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I created a, you know, a 28-day meditation experience on Teachable. If you go to cultivate meditation.academy. It's right there. And I put up a, I put a coupon up for, or a discount code for everyone who listens here, because I know so many of us need a little encouragement. And if you want to think of it as training wheels, or you want to think of it as your spiritual gym, it's your way to spark your meditation practice. So you've got 28 days of it, a whole month. So you've got a whole month of meditations. There's a little reading, but there's a 20 minute meditation that I've recorded for each and every day. So if you need something like that, go there, use the, the code start now at the checkout and it'll give you half off. So it's 20 bucks and you can, you can keep doing it over and over again. You can do it in your own time. If you do it every other day, that's fine. I recommend every day, but you know, do it as you need to do it. If you fall off the wagon for a day, you just pick back up and cultivate that calm and patience, peacefulness, within your experience, mindfully, don't just expect it to show up because you're miserable and you think it's going to show up like a white knight. You have to call it in. 
and it's already within you. Just turn toward it. Stimulate it in a way that now you're building a habit and you know where to access the tools to get you to the state that you need to be no matter what is happening. It's your work that pays off. Remember this moment is literally the only moment that matters. This one that you can hear me in, you can hear yourself in, you can feel yourself, you can feel the warmth of your own body, the heartbeat, your breath, here and now is the most important moment. Don't overlook it. It's right here and right now. And you have all the tools that you need. Just practice using them. You want change? Work it. Cultivate it. And reap the benefits of the fruit that come from your hand. I'll check in again next week. Maybe have a guest or two. Uh -huh. Won't that be great? <laughs> well, thank you from wherever you are listening from. I know we have listeners from all over the world and that warms my heart. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay awake and aware. And goodbye now.